Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 63 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy, and I'm the host of the show. This week, I have a friend who I've known for years and an alumni of my craft to career course. It is Jenny of Clover and Violet, and I'll admit I was so excited to have her sign up for my course. You'll hear in the podcast how we know each other and just how sweet and wonderful she is, and her business is just it's so great. She has such a great niche. And so we talk a little bit about her business and how it's grown and how she's gotten it, where she's gotten it to. And then what to do, we kind of do some brainstorming business coaching on how to really help her grow and to see, to get that next level of growth in her business. So I cannot wait for you to listen and meet Jenny and to also get some ideas for your own business of things that you could apply to your business. Before we jump in, I have a review to read this week, which if you've not left a review for the podcast, be sure to do that. It's very helpful. It helps the podcast to be seen by more people, and it helps me know what is resonating with you listeners. So for example, after episode 60, where I just talked about my uh, fabric design and writing and publishing a book. It was probably my most vulnerable episode that I've ever recorded. I have had a a flood of people reaching out and leaving comments. And so this has definitely let me know that you listeners like that peek behind the curtain, that open vulnerable talk. So I'm, I'm planning more of those kinds of episodes. So please do leave a review and let me know what is resonating, what you are enjoying about the podcast so that I can create more content like that. So this week we have a review from Braving Bell. She says, supportive, transparent, and real. I've listened to Elizabeth's Craft to Career podcast since the day she launched her very first episode and find value in each and every one. As an entrepreneur of two businesses, one being in the quilt industry I look forward to Craft to Career Fridays, knowing I'm going to learn something new each week. I especially enjoyed her most recent episode about her journey to fabric designer and publishing author. I appreciate her vulnerability and openness about the ins and outs of her story and found myself crying along with her when she shared a touching moment about her upcoming fabric collection, being a tribute to her mother. If you want to experience a podcaster with valuable content, heart, and openness, then this is the one for you. You'll never want to miss a Friday episode. Thanks for the value you offer the quilty world, Elizabeth. You make mine a better place. So uh, this is Belle of Seems So Me, I believe. Um, And I really appreciate this review. I really do love that. And again, it really, um, I love hearing what you listeners find valuable. And I plan to tailor future episodes according to that feedback and those those reviews. So thank you, Belle. And with that, let's jump in and let me introduce you to Jenny of Clover and Violet. All right, we have Jenny here from Clover and Violet. And Jenny, I have been a big fan of yours for years. For our listeners, can you share a bit about what you do? 
Of course. Um, so I design sewing patterns that have like a quilting aspect to them. And they're all small projects that you can complete like in one day because I found that I didn't really have time to make a whole quilt, but I still want that satisfying finish. And so that's how I focus my patterns. I love it. So how did you start quilting and making these small little projects? So I started quilting when um, my husband and I were first married and he's in the army. I didn't have a car. We we're getting ready to... Um, for him to be deployed. And so I started quilting out of boredom and just kept doing it as the years went on. And then, um, really started making smaller things as I had it when I later got a job and then I was busy and just didn't have as much time to make a whole quilt. So that's how I really started, um, doing that. Okay. When did you write your very first pattern for for anything, whether it was quilt pattern or a small project? I wrote my first pattern after my mom and I had started our shop. We were going to sell handmade things. And so I designed a bag and more people messaged me to see if that bag had a pattern than wanted to buy the actual product. And so I just sat down at my computer and tried my best and people purchased it. So I, that's kind of where that came from. Okay. When, what year about was that? I know time can be a funny thing. Like, oh, I don't know when that was, but. So that was actually back in 2009. So. Okay. Yeah. So quite a while ago. Um, this is my 13th year doing this. So that was my first pattern came out in 2009. All right. This, so you're a wealth of knowledge. We're going to have to pick your brain on your journey. How has it evolved and, and what has really, Let's just start with how has it evolved? I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I started with the bag pattern and then I designed bag patterns for quite a few years and they did okay. But when I finally designed um, my flora supply case, which was my first organizer pattern, that has been my best selling pattern ever since. I mean, almost immediately that took off much more than anything else ever had for me. People just loved it. They loved to be able to customize it, that it was smaller. Not everyone wants to carry a quilted bag, but most people have a use for an organizer. So that's how that evolved. And then I just really enjoy making those. Everyone else seems to also. So I've kind of kept on that track. Okay. And then I know now you have a membership. How did that start? Um, I got tired of launching things all of the time. Like every time I created something new, I would have to launch it. And it was hard to think like sometimes you put in a lot of effort to a launch and something doesn't sell well. And I think I was trying too many, too much variety. I had not really narrowed down. And so I thought, well, I'd really like to do something more consistent, have more consistent people in my inner circle of people I worked with, people who were interested in my patterns. And so I decided I would just give a membership a try. And if no one liked it, then I would try something else. But people signed up. I was truly shocked and delighted that people were excited about it as much as I was excited about it. So, um, and I launched that in October of this last year. Oh, okay. So that's fairly new then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it's going well. 
It is. It is. It's been it's been a lot of fun. A lot of the people that originally joined were people that I had followed on Instagram or through blogging for years. And then I've also recently made a lot of new friends and people newer to quilting. And it's fun to get to connect with them on a more personal level than just like, here's a pattern. Um, we have a Facebook group and that sort of thing where we can really develop more of a friendship and I can then cater my patterns more towards what people in the membership are interested in. Awesome. And you know what's funny? Well, not what's funny. Actually, kind of. So do you remember years ago you had a typewriter fabric and I really wanted it and you sent me that fabric? Yes. (laughs) I still have it. Oh, that's so fun. Is it the Ruby Star typewriter? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think... I don't know if that was before or after, because this is back when I was doing my subscription box and we featured your pattern in the box. And anyhow, you've been just like so sweet and just genuinely nice. And then this past, what, February, you signed Mm -hmm. up for the Crafty Career course. I was like, my friend who I've known you since I started this, you know. So I am curious why you signed up for the Crafty Career course. What was your motivation for that? So I have seen you like steadily grow your business. And I think I've alluded to this already, but my business has been more of like a stab in the dark trying things. And sometimes they work out well, like the membership turned out to. And sometimes it's like a complete flop. So I really felt like I wanted more direction. My kids are getting older. My husband is getting ready to get out of the army. We'd like to do something else. And so I really wanted more direction to work on what I needed to do to succeed. Or if it's not going to succeed, try something else new, but not this constant like, well, maybe this is a good idea or this latest stab in the dark. Like, is this going to work? Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a plan. And someone who had a plan that succeeded seemed like an excellent choice for a mentor and a course. So I really enjoyed um I really feel motivated after taking craft to career that I can make a better plan and succeed rather than just guessing if something is going to work or not. Yeah. And even just right now, while we're chatting and you're talking about your membership, uh, there's a few things that I think could really help you grow your membership. And it sounds like you are enjoying that. And it's something that you, I mean, the beauty of a membership and you know this, but like you mentioned, with a launch, there's so much effort that goes every time you release something new. And with a membership, you have people that are interested in what you're offering. They like it and they sign up and it's this recurring revenue. They're in, they're interested, they're in it. They've signed up to, to not have you have to launch to them every time, you know, that you're doing something. And so growing that membership, since you've already started it, it's working I would really focus on growing that and and fostering that and some fun things to do, which I've noticed I've been kind of like, no, what's Jenny up to now? You did, let's see, was it, tell me, since the course ended, was there like a giveaway or quilt along that you did? I did a quilt along for one of my supply case patterns um, in April, yes. So I did that um, just for the general public, anyone that wanted to, join. And then I did launch my membership opened right at the end of that. Oh, good. And how did that work out? It went, um, it went well. It was, I probably didn't, since I was doing the quilt along, maybe I spent more energy on that than 
the launch. So I wasn't as prepared, but I also knew that I didn't want to launch during the summer. So I just kind of did it at that timing, maybe not as well planned as I should have, but it went, it went well. Um, about a third of my current members came from that launch. So I felt like that was a good. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. So some good launch strategies that I'm learning and figuring out myself. One is to do a free condensed. So like instead of a quilt along that lasts weeks, you do something that's short, that's a day or two, and that's free. And you promote that. If you can do Facebook ads for that, even better, because you will find a larger audience. And so let's let's start there because I was going to jump to affiliates, but we'll do that next. So um, so first, doing some kind of free challenge or, I mean, even honest to goodness, teaching how to do a zipper, conquer the zipper, teach people how to do that. And then once they come, just have the supplies. Here's what you need. We will, you will leave having confidently sewn a zipper. And then when they're done, if you like this, we have so many patterns in the membership. I don't know what you have in the membership, but you know, come and join the membership where now that you've learned this thing, put it into use and they will know that they like you, that they like your teaching method, that they're interested. Now they have this skill and they want to apply it to the things that you offer. So um, something that will naturally lead them to take the, to sign up for the membership. And and running Facebook ads. So that's, I, I don't throw that out there for people who are new and beginning, but you're not. You have been here. You've built up an audience and, and all of that. So um, it's time for you to start thinking about the Facebook ad game. And that can really grow your membership. Okay, awesome. And I should probably just Google this, but are Facebook ads different than like when Facebook suggests you boost a post? Is it a separate thing? Do I need to like research this more? Oh, ask away. Yeah. So they are separate. And when you boost a post, I had someone who I took a course from on Facebook ads. She said, you you are better off buying drugs than paying for a boost because all you're paying for is a hit of dopamine and it'll make you feel real good and excited. But other than that, you're wasting your money. So, um, so her two cents is do not pay to boost. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. And then learning. So, and I say Facebook ads, people are like, I don't want to do Facebook. I just want to do Instagram. They're owned by the same company. Mm -hmm. So it's one and the same. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. I've never clicked go on that boost a post, but I was always like, is this what it is? Is there a difference? So thank you. That's a great. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know the, the ins and outs of it. I'm just the person that I took the course from does know the ins and outs. And so I'm just going to trust her, um, which is Salome Shellac of Shine and Succeed. But yeah, so then affiliates. So the platform that you use, I know we've chatted about it. It's not Kajabi and it's it's mm-hmm. not Thinkific, is it? What platform mm-hmm. is it? It's called Member Vault. It does offer affiliate. You can give your current members an affiliate link. So it does offer that ability and you can set it to be whatever you want it to be. So percentage or specific dollar amount, et cetera. So it does have that. Okay. And with affiliate, it's a very powerful way to market because these are people who are in your membership right now. They are loving it. They are a living testimonial of your product. And 
honestly, the more generous you can be, the better. I like 40 to 50%. So let's say your membership costs 12. Well, let's just say 10 to make it easy. It costs $10 a month, which I hope it costs a little more than that. But if it's cost $10 a month, uh, you would pay everyone $5. And, and my big advice do a one-time payment. Do not do it for the lifetime of this person. You will earn this much simply because it is such a headache. It's a headache enough to, and I don't know about your platform, if they automatically pay your affiliates or if you have to go and do it, but it's work. It's a lot of work to go in and see who's doing it. And, and it's a lot of work to get your affiliates educated so they know how to be a good affiliate and what to share and how to share. But if you can do that, put the time in, it is great marketing, very powerful, and it really will, it will move the needle. So that's something to definitely look into and plan for. Okay, awesome. Uh, and let's see, you also mentioned that you want to diversify and have multiple revenue streams. So it sounds like you have your patterns and the membership. Mm-hmm. And what other kind of ideas are you thinking about? So I was thinking it would be great to sometime in the next year launch some sort of course to go along, maybe alongside the membership or um, just something in my membership every month I teach a new technique. So in June, we're going to learn a little bit of curved piecing. We've done improv, just that sort of thing. But there are, so everyone has enjoyed that more than I anticipated. I thought that that would just be like an added bonus, but it seems to be actually what a lot of people have zeroed in on is what they're going to learn each month. Um, So I've really enjoyed teaching a lot and everyone seems to have really enjoyed these little tidbits. And so I thought it would be a really great opportunity to offer a course of sorts, but I also don't want it to compete with my membership. So that's kind of my concern. All right. I'm just brainstorming right now, but if, what if you were to have some sort of pre-recorded, you could do it live with your membership or, or have it pre-recorded that's available all the time to your members in the membership. And then that could be something that you run a Facebook ad to where people can purchase to get that course. And then if they like the course, come and join the membership. Every month we do this. And this is what people are really loving about the membership. And that could be your um, ticket to get people hooked, you know, on the membership. Okay. Yeah. So would you suggest teaching like a specific? So right now I'm teaching just small segments. So like we're going to make a pouch and I'm just going to teach you how to make the improv portion. You already know how to make a pouch. So for a course, you would teach make the entire project while learning techniques, correct? Or I mean, your- there's different, yeah, there's different approaches. So you could have a standalone course that you sell that's like, I mean, like my quote pattern writing course or, you know, I mean, not like that, but that's a standalone course that then leads people in. Or it could be something that you offer periodically as like a a challenge or a paid Mm -hmm. challenge or something to get people in, which, well, two things are interesting here. One, that you, I love that your audience automatically hones in on what's of value to them. Like you didn't know that it was going to be learning these new things, these things every month. And for my membership, it's different. It's the patterns. So you'll find out when you put stuff out what people are interested in. So my biggest advice to you is just 
try it. Like I would go with what you are most wanting to do. If there's something that you're like, I just think it'd be so fun to have a course about XYZ. And then look at what that's going to, you know, if it's going to include a whole bag from start to finish, or if it's going to just be the improv portion. And then if you want the rest come in and the rest is in the membership. Um, I do think there's value to having a standalone course that's start to finish where someone can get a tangible finished thing, you know, um, and then come and join the membership. But I think it's okay if that's something that's available in the membership. It's not like, I paid for that and it's also in the membership. Well, that's not as good of a value. You know, it's like, no, that's how you learned about this. And, and that's okay. You know? Okay. Awesome. Yes. I appreciate that. That's a, um, I hadn't looked at it that way. I guess I had looked at like, do I need to develop a very large course? But I like this idea of something smaller that's still, I mean, because that's kind of what my thing is, is to have something you can accomplish in a shorter time. So that would be appropriately, um, that would appropriately work well with the same theme, that here is a, something that you can accomplish. And outside of the membership, join my membership. Or if you are satisfied with this, that's also an option. So, okay, that's a great, that's a great way to think about it. I had not looked at it from that angle. And I mean, I have to say, I was very impressed in the course when you, we had the smaller study groups and someone in your study group was looking at their logo and you just had this idea of, well, what if you did this? And there were a few other questions where you just threw out some ideas and I was like, hmm. Jenny has a talent here and I don't know what that means moving forward, but I do know that you, and just the way you speak is so sweet and calm and there is potential there for, for something business related. I don't know what that would look like or what your interest level would be, but I know that you make a great mentor and you have a knack for that. So have you noticed that? Is that something of interest to you? It is. I've, um, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I'm never sure if I'm like overstepping people's bounds or like gently guiding them towards, um, towards something better. I do feel like, I mean, design has always been interesting to me. I always look at billboards and I'm like, why are they using that font again? Find something new, just purchase a font people or, um, things like that. So I definitely have some, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy steering people in the right direction, like using their ideas and then guiding them towards something that's maybe more visually appealing because I feel like I can see easily what appeals to a larger group a lot of times versus a lot of people see what appeals to them. So I think that mm -hmm. I would be interested in that. I feel like I need to have a little bit more um, stability or uh, past success, although I suppose also being in business for 13 years is some of that. Um, before I just say, like, here's what works, but I definitely know that things that are visually appealing is one of my favorite things to work on. And I used to actually design people's blogs in my spare time. I would put together the backgrounds really? and back on Blogger back in the day before it was common to have like a self-hosted blog. I would make headers and things like that. So that's always been fun, but I love to sew more 
Mm-hmm. And so that's where I always end up back at the sewing machine instead of doing the other. But I do, I do really enjoy that. And I enjoy doing it for quilters because I think a lot of times people don't know where to start looking. And so finding another quilter that's already interested, already knows what's common is a, um, is a great place to begin. Yeah. I mean, as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, this is so golden. You just have a special set of skills that some people don't, you know, so we'll have to just simmer on this, but maybe that's something that you consider. And again, it's one of those things that if you don't have the time, I've heard people say like, oh, it's not worth my time. I'm like, then you are not charging enough. Like it's, it's worth, there is a price point where it makes it worth your time, you know? Right. <laughs> so Yes. And now I have more time yeah. because my children aren't tiny anymore. And that was always kind of what held me back is we move a lot. And so you don't have family or all of your friends are brand new friends. And so it's, it was me with a lot of little kids and now they're upper elementary and they're home right now reading. And I have, I do have more time. So it is interesting to finally get the opportunity to maybe branch out a little bit as well. Yeah. And let's touch on that. So you homeschool your children. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Um, this is our sixth year. Okay. Six years. How do you manage what you do with homeschooling? So we do a lot of unschooling type school where instead of teaching my children, especially in the elementary years, as we get towards middle school, I'll have to be more, um, use more structure with some of the things, but like science, for example, we'll just go to the library, find a bunch of books on science that interest them, and then they would read that. And they often um, know more things than I do. They'll tell me like, oh, this is why this is. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Did you read that? They're like, yep. <laughs> so we do math, writing, grammar, that sort of thing, more in a structured sense. But then I just let them read books that interest them for science, history, and that sort of lessons. And so that's really given me, now that they can read, before they could all read, it was a lot more difficult. But now that they can all read fluently, that has given me a lot of freedom because they enjoy it. They're learning. We do our basic subjects in the morning and then we spend our afternoons. I sew and work and they read and play outside. And so... Oh, that's lovely. It sounds like a magical childhood for them. And I just have to ask, where did you grow up? Because your accent, I cannot place it. And I, oddly, like, I'm usually good at that. Right. So I am from the Seattle area. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have, well, I don't know if Seattle has an accent. It does. Um, it's actually something that really interests me. And I have worked on a few of my words that people cannot understand what I'm talking about. So, like, I usually say bag like with a, I don't know, hard A sound instead of everyone else in the rest of the country says bag and they say flag mm -hmm. and I say flag. So I've worked on some of those things because people are always like, what, what are you saying? Um, but yeah, so that's where my accent is from. And then there's just a lot of, like, I guess we have a lot of word mergers where our words sound the same versus other areas. So maybe that's why, because we've merged all of these words to be the same, the same thing. But yeah, so Seattle, but I haven't lived there since 2005. So I've okay. picked up a little bit of um, Northeast and Southwest 
as we've gone along. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny. I grew up in Minnesota where it was like, oh, it's don't you know, I got my bag from the flag and all of, you know, probably a little more yes. dramatic than what. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I probably moving and having people say like, you sound weird. I started really listening to different accents. Yes. And anyhow, I could not figure out where you're from. So <laughs> there we are. Okay, back to business. If you could describe what your biggest struggle is with your business, what would you say that is? I think being faithful to accomplish things. I tend to be the, like I do all of the things and then I burn myself out completely. And then, so then I just do nothing for, I think I took in from like 2019 until, I don't know, mid 2021, I did like nothing at all. Just, I was just like, well, this might just close up shop. It didn't. So that's what encouraged me to like pick it up again. But I think I had just pushed myself too hard on too many things. I didn't know if they were going to work. And then I was just tired, tired from trying, not succeeding, not knowing what I ought to be doing. And so then I just did nothing. So I'm hoping that I can continue my momentum at a more, and that's where I really wanted to try a membership so that I could have momentum at a more steady pace instead of creating all of this product, ideas, patterns, Instagram posts, and then just feeling overwhelmed by it and needing a break. And then it's hard to come back, right? And so then you just stay away for a while. And so that's been my biggest um, downfall is trying too hard. And then if it doesn't work out or I get too tired, then I just do nothing until I'm like, but I don't want to give up. I do want to do this. I do enjoy it. I need a steady, a steady pace. Yeah. Well, and you have been here, you know, for a long time. So, and it's actually like a relief to hear the other people step away too. I mean, my step aways are usually like a week at a time where I'm like, I need a break, you know, (laughs) but, um, but I do think as I'm listening to you, the burnout from social media is real. It's very real. And that is why I have recently, and and it's so funny because last year, I invested a lot. I don't know if I dare say, all right, I'll say $40,000 in Facebook ads. And I was like, hmm, was that worth it? And now that I'm stepped away and removed, it totally was worth it. It grew my email list by so much. And now if I don't want to post on social media, I don't have to. I mean, I have someone else doing that for me now. So that's another thing. But um, you have this audience. And some of the people that I know who are the most successful in the quilting industry are not spending their time on social media. They are spending their time running Facebook ads to grow their email list. And when they have their membership open or what have you, they email people. That's way less exhausting. It's not an everyday, oh, I better post, I better post it. Nope. It's sending out an email probably once a week if you can. If that's overwhelming, then every couple of weeks. But keeping those people updated with what's going on, um, just forming that friendship. And then you've got a membership where you can share, here's what's going on in the membership. Here's what so-and-so made and having those connections that's way more enjoyable and just not hopefully the burnout, you know? For sure. I definitely think that a lot of my burnout was contributed to by social media and the feeling that if you take a break, everyone forgets about you, which is fairly true. (laughs) They forget about you until you show up in their feed again, but otherwise you're completely 
off of their mind. And so I have been planning to email more regularly and I just sent my first hopefully weekly email last week. I have my second one ready to go tomorrow. So hopefully I can keep that more steady and reliable than thinking I'm going to post on Instagram every single day or six times a week. That's just, that's a lot of content to create for, for a few hearts. Right. And some people love it and that's their zone of genius. Awesome. Go for it. But um, there are other ways to have success with a business. I think having a presence on social media is smart. But even like Sarah Ann of Sarah Ann Designs, I had her on the podcast recently. She's a very successful graphic design business. And she, I, I want to say she even posted like, we're not on here often. Make sure to come and check out the website and join the newsletter. That's where we update most often. And she still has a presence. There's still stuff, but she does not. And like Bonnie Christine, someone who I really admire, she does not post very often on social media. She's killing it, you know? So mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be the route to success, right. which is very liberating. Like, oh, I can do this. Yes. Don't have to let everyone watch everything. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a reality show where you're, you know, updating everyone all the time. So out of curiosity, how big is your, well, do you want to say how big your email list is or how are you growing it? Let's do that. Sure. I mean, I'm fine with either one. I have about 4,000 people on my email list, but nice. I would say that probably a quarter of them, I don't know if they've even opened an email for a couple of years. So I should probably clean that up. So I would say I probably have like 3,000 people that are actively involved at some point or another. Um, and so I am working on weekly emails and I have a lot of blog content. Um, like I've shared a lot of tutorials and there's just a lot of things that I put a lot of effort into and really cared about years ago that I think people just don't know is there. So that's going to be one of my main email focuses is to share. I've shared posts on like, here are tips, how to get sewing done when you have small children or when your life is very busy. I've shared posts and things like that on my blog, but maybe in 2015 or something like that. And so that's one of the things I want to do with my email is kind of bring back all of those things that I already put a lot of work into that this new or group of people that I'm interacting with now maybe has never seen and doesn't even know they can go look for. So that's kind of my content strategy for at least the summer and see how that goes for me because I did care about all of those things I blogged about years ago and still do. I mean, it still has value. I haven't reblogged it because it's still there. So that's really smart. And recently I saw um, Amy Porterfield. She has a podcast and has been doing it for years. And I don't know, 400, 500 episodes. So even I don't know how many. And she recently had a free opt-in where you could take a little quiz and this wouldn't be 100%, you know, apples to apples, but she had a quiz to see where you are in your business. And then she would send you based on your results check out these specific episodes. This is good for the beginning phase. This is good for growth. This is good for the advanced. And so you have so much content that there's a lot of value in you sharing it, but also making a guide of, are you wanting tips for this? Here's 
here's a link to these blog posts. Are you working on this? Here's this. And maybe if you did a quiz or even just an opt-in for a free guide of here, you can download these organized for you into what you're working on. And that could, I would see how that resonates. The beautiful thing about having an audience, you can put stuff out and see what is the most successful, what's really resonating then put money into that and run Facebook ads or Instagram ads to that thing that's already doing well on its own. That's great advice. I feel like I've given you a lot to think about, (laughs) so hopefully it's not overwhelming. (laughs) But main thing, growing the email list and doing Facebook ads, just keep doing your membership. That's what we're, let's make it more (laughs) simple. It's just growing that membership because it's working and you've got a good thing going, so... Okay. Well, that's, that's encouraging because I am really enjoying it and my members seem to so far. Um, so yeah, that sounds like a great, a great way to look at things and to focus my future email correspondence, freebies, et cetera, on leading towards that membership. Absolutely. And you've been doing this for a while. If you could talk to someone who's new in a quilting career, a new quilterpreneur, (laughs) what tips or advice would you share with them? Um, Don't give up when things seem slow, if you really enjoy it. If it's something that you have your heart in, just keep going because there are always ebbs and flows of everything. And so if you find something that you enjoy that other people enjoy, even when it slows down, just wait it out. Um, And don't be afraid to make something that seems like somebody else maybe has made before. Because I spent a lot of years worrying that people would accuse me of copying them or of um, taking their ideas and that sort of thing. And really, I just didn't create things and other people were doing creating things that were somewhat relatedly similar to other people's things. Obviously, don't copy someone. But if you have your own idea and it turns out that you release it and someone else had a similar idea, that that's okay. Because if you use all of your energy trying to be so original, there will be nothing for you to make because there is nothing new under the sun. So I let that worry keep me back a long, long time. Because I was like, well, all quilt patterns are really similar, so I'm not going to do that. And even though that turned out to be not what I design, I had a lot of quilt pattern ideas that I just let pass me by because I was afraid it might be sort of relatedly similar to someone else. So I would just say, do what you love. Obviously, don't copy people, but don't worry that it might be sort of similar to someone else and let that hold you back. Oh, that's beautifully said. I love that. You can tell that you have been doing this a while because those are definitely fears that hold people back. And even for me to this day, there will be sometimes where I'm like, is that? I'm like, okay, where did this come from? No, nope, this was your idea. And it just so happens that we're in this quilting community where there will be similarities, you know, and you just got to move forward. So, Right. There are only I so many it. geometric shapes out there, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yep. And wading through the ebbs and flows, you know, there'll be these high tides and then low tides where you just, you ride it, you know, ride it out. So beautifully said. If our listeners want to find you, where is a good place for them to to find you? 
So you can connect to me through my email list, obviously, like we talked about. Um, and also, I really do love Instagram as much as I don't want to be chained down by Instagram. I do love that visual appealing place. And so you can find me on Instagram at Clover and Violet. I mean, you can pretty much find me anywhere on the web at Clover and Violet because I've been around for forever. So if it's there, I probably have signed up for it and it will point back to my email <laughs> list to my website or Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and keep in touch. Let me know how things are going. And if you have questions, reach out. Let me know. I'm here for you. Sounds wonderful. You have been so encouraging. I'm so glad that we got to reconnect on a deeper level and I look forward to continuing our friendship. Same. And your mentorship as well has been invaluable. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Jenny, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. This is something where we had planned to do a coaching call and I just asked, okay, could we turn this into a podcast? episode because I want you all to meet Jenny and to hear about her business and to just see what an awesome person she is. And I knew that the things that we talked about would be applicable to lots of you business owners out there. So thank you for being here, for being a listener of the Craft Ticker podcast. I'll be back here next Friday with a brand new episode and it is just me chatting. I'm adding a few more of those in after hearing your reviews. And this episode is called 16 Ways to Earn Money as a Quilt Pattern Designer. So oftentimes people think, oh, I don't know if I can really earn money as a quilt pattern designer. How do you do that? So I have come up with a list of 16 ways for you to earn money as a quilt pattern designer. If this is something that interests you, be sure to check out the free course that I offer. It is totally free. It teaches you how to use free software, canva.com. It's a website that's completely free to use, and you will learn how to create your own quilt patterns for free. So to do that, go to quilterscandy.com. At the top of the website, click on courses, and then select the free course on writing and selling quilt patterns. It's the free one. I do have a deep dive course that opens once a year, every September. And that's like, if you are ready to really be a professional quilt pattern designer and you want to do it the right way and know all the things, that's the course for you. But if you're just like, I want to just try this, how, how does one get started? I, or you feel like you know enough and you just would love a free little course that teaches you some new things, then be sure to check out that free course. So join me next Friday. We'll be talking about 16 ways to earn money as a quilt pattern designer. And until then, have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.